So the big question is this, how are massage therapists like us, who didn't cheat and sell our souls to a corporate machine, who are spending money from our own pockets, how do we market in a way that lets us get our wellness services and the things that we believe in out to the world and still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, business owners, tactical marketers, massage therapists, and those who are somewhere in between. If you're a leader in your organization or you are the organization, you're in the right place. We get to interview uh, some of the best and brightest in the marketing world, in the business world, in the business space to bring excellent ideas, intuition, and new methodologies and some old methodologies to be able to get your message out to your audience, if that audience is you know, a small group or that's a mission or a force or something you're trying to get started out of your basement, out of your living room, then you're in the right place. So today is no exception. I, 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 I met this next guest uh, in a strange sort of a way through an introduction to another networking group. And somehow we, we grew paths and everything like that. I speak of no other than cinematographer, uh, marketer, <laughs> visionary, creative artist, uh, Robert, and I'm, I'm going to let him pronounce his last name because I was going to try to a, a, attempt to do it, but it was like, oh yeah, we're not even going to do that. And he's going to tell us a little bit more. So, hey, Robert, welcome. Oh, I am wonderful. I'm going to bring you up on the screen. So once I get your, your face up there, there you go. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Now we got Robert here. So just give us a, a tidbit. I, I kind of gave you a, probably the worst introduction I've ever done um, for anyone. Give us a tidbit of, for one, how do you pronounce your last name correctly? Because I'm not even going to try to attempt to do it. And then two, who are you and what makes you so awesome and what's your superpower? Uh, all right. So last name, Bedrogi. Robert Michael Bedrogi. We probably should have gone over that in pre-roll, but that's okay. It's okay. We, we roll as we go. Yeah, I see that. I, yeah, I, like, I like the vibe here. I'm enjoying it. Um, my superpower. So I am a content creator and, uh, that sounds like, uh, it's kind of like an overused term. Um, I work as a filmmaker. I work on narrative films. Uh, I'm a cinematographer, which means I take care of all the imaging aspects of it. I work as a commercial, uh, portrait and fashion photographer. Um, and just, uh, all around kind of creative. Uh, I wrote a book this year, so I'm an author now. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so how did you get into this fascinating world of being content creator, cinematographer, and plus, 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 you know, comma, comma, comma? How, what, how did you come out your mom and your dad and decide this is what you're going to do? Um, I wish I could say I had a plan. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, it kind of, uh, so I was, um, you know, so I, I did some, some training for the Marine Corps. I uh, went through officer's candidate school and uh, I got hurt and I couldn't take my commission. So um, my whole life, I was a political science major in college. Since I was about six years old, I wanted to be a Marine. And, uh, and all of a sudden, my, my world opened up and I can do anything I want to do. So I started thinking about what, what is it that I want to do? What, what do I enjoy? And so I was always interested in movies, how they were made. Um, and so on my 21st birthday, I bought myself a camera and uh, I went out and started shooting. And I fell in love with it from that first roll of film. Remember film, that little canister thing you had to stick in the back of the camera? Yeah. Um, so for my first roll of film, I was hooked. I, I loved it. Um, a couple years after that, I started working full time professionally. 
And um, it's supposed to be a short stint. It's supposed to be a six-month deal. And then I was going to, like, go find a real job. And uh, the real job never happened. So <laughs> I am. 20-something years. This is 1990, 1993. I bought my camera. 1994 was my first paid job. And then 1996, I went full-time. Wow. So let's go back, you know, back those 20 something odd years ago. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I see you don't see mine because I shaved mine off so I can look 20 years younger. Um, but I'm an old geezer anyway. So, and I think that's the deciding moment for, for professionals in the marketing space or the business spaces. Um, what was your first project that you got paid for that you really said, I'm a professional. I'm not a hobbyist. I mean, they're, they're the first project, the first one you did maybe, but that may not be the first one you say, well, I could, I could, I could, this, this could be, I could make a go of this. What was the first project okay. that made you that feel like that? The one that hooked me or the first paid job? Well, the first paid job could have been, you know, anything. I mean, yeah. you know, you did it, but if, if that was the significant one, but which one was it that really said, I'm a professional now. This is what I do. This is my craft. This is my science. This is my my culture. This is my cult, if you will. What was that that project? And talk us through that. Okay, so so um, I started off in still photography, obviously, like, as I mentioned, and um, and so when I when I started out back in the day, people just didn't buy a camera and were a photographer. You were an assistant. You would um, you'd work for other people. You'd carry their bags. You'd um, you know, go pick up lunch. You would do kind of whatever you needed to do. And so one of the photographers that I worked with was actually a, a full-time cameraman at a video production company mm -hmm. in New Jersey. And so he, he liked working with me. So he pulled me in on this video job. He's like, you want to work in, on the video side? I said, absolutely. So he pulled me in. I was a dolly grip on a FedEx commercial. And I was, uh, it, it was probably the coolest thing up to that point that I'd ever done. I was so stoked with uh, the way the crew worked, the way the set, the energy, uh, the talent, all the, the the talented people, and all the different crafts on set, and um, and I ran this dolly for eight or nine hours that day, and after that, I was done. So I'm done. I'm so, done. This is my. This is, these are my people. This is my circuit. These are my monkeys. <laughs> so I got paid. I got a check. I got a FedEx. I can officially say I work with a you know probably at the time a multi million dollar corporation. Now they're a multi billion dollar corporation. Um, and then some probably. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was pretty, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty awesome feeling. In fact, it, I think one of the things that I liked about it was that it was so much like the military. How so? Well, you know, you're, you're a, you're a vet. So you understand this, your, your squad, your fire team, the people you work with in the service, you kind of all look after each other, mm -hmm. right? That's the way it works. You, you serve each other more than, than anything else. And that was kind of how it worked on set is that people pay attention to each other. People, people help out other crafts. They, they, if, if, if I see something that, um, you know, something weird with the makeup while I'm doing my lighting for something, then I tell the makeup artist. And if they're like, Hey, you know, you're getting this kind of weird shadowy thing over here. They tell me, you know, the camera operators tell me if something's in the shot that shouldn't be there, you know, so, so everybody kind of helps each other out. And, um, and it doesn't matter if you're the director, the producer, uh, makeup artist or a PA, everybody chips in and contributes to make this thing. And at the end of it, you feel great because you accomplished this task together. So it had a lot in common with that. And I, and um, that was probably the first time I felt it since I, I couldn't um, pursue my, my um, career in the Marine Corps. Mm. Wow. 
I think every business, you know, owner or every every creative person, no matter if you're selling widgets or you're selling law, you know, you have that deciding moment where I'm part of a unit, I'm part of a group, and you know, we work to correct and improve each other's craft. And I love the way you put that. So now, what would you say is a project? And we're going to go first macro, and then we're going to go micro. What was like one of the bigger project that totally got you like, what the f? Did I get myself into? <laughs> well, that, that really doesn't narrow it down a whole lot, but there might be a lot of them. <laughs> well, the, the beauty of it is that every project is so different. Um, you know, even even on the same project. So even if you're you're working on a, a, a feature film, let's say, right? You're you're shooting for twelve to twenty days, and you're all over the place. You're you're in the, you're with the same people, but you're at different locations. Sometimes every single day. Wow. So, it's the same, but it's different. And so um, you end up in these beautiful places. Like uh, I was in Kiowa, South Carolina over the summer working on a project. Um, we were at this, right, on the, right on the ocean at this, this golf club, beautiful building, you know, beautiful grounds. And we were just miserable because we worked for 16 hours you know, as an overnight. So, um, you know, so it, it's everything is – the set work is hard, but it's, it's rewarding. Wow. So now going to the micro zone is um, I, I when I when I was getting prepared for this piece I, I went on your website just to kind of um, you know find out um, and before I go there how do people get in contact with you because I want to kind of make sure folks can you know maybe bounce over there while we're still chit chatting how do folks get in contact with you what's the best way uh, my website is robertmichaelonline.com okay that's pretty easy that's all pretty right. So talk us through some of the exciting projects that you've done. I've seen, you know, you've done something in the educational space. You've done something in, you know, some uh, like, well, if you saw, you know, world famous folks who are on like the, the food network and, 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 and everything and ice cream. And I think there is an, uh, maybe a, a coffee machine. And I was just kind of like, man, this is a very um, space. Which one was like, wow, that was kind of fun. That kind of got you going. Well, so, okay, you mentioned a couple. You mentioned the ice cream, and um, that was funny because that was uh, completely fake ice cream. <laughs> really? It looks uh, so real. In fact, that, that ice cream at the end where the, the cherry comes and gets dropped on top. Yeah, by, by a young lady with her red fingernails. Yes, with her red fingernails that matches the color of the product. Right. We uh, That ice cream, as far as I know, is still sitting on a shelf in Long Island, New York. <laughs> Use that. It ended up getting used for a couple of years while I was working with that particular client, and then uh, um, I had kind of lost track of people that were there. So I don't know if it's still being used, but yeah, that so, was 100% fake. Fake ice cream. So it's so it's still being used for shots, just to because it's a yeah. good product and it looks like ice cream. So why not? Like ice cream. Fake. So, yeah. So there's a business of making fake food. Yeah, there's food for stylists. nothing more than production purposes. There are food stylists. I've done work for um, for MMRs and for other companies that uh, make different food type things. And, and there's a, we have food stylists that come. And um, so you have two sets of food on set. You have the the prop food, which you don't eat because that's the turkey with the motor oil on it. Mm -hmm. You have the. Did, the hold on, did you say turkey with motor oil on it? I did. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. But it looks like a real turkey. It looks like it was actually raw. Like with turkey, bird, it wasn't even cooked. We had to make it look cooked. Oh, God. So, yeah, it was interesting. 
Okay, so those those are different, exciting ones. So now uh, talk us through the content um, because you you know content creator, you, you talked in that space and that seemed very broad. Kind of give us you know what is your take on a content creator and then how do you take that content and I guess we'll talk to that a little bit more later uh, and, and actually utilize it for, to to get your message out, your mission, your product or whatever it is. So what does content creator mean to you? Content creator is kind of a, it's a big bucket. It's a huge bucket. It's got, um, you know, everything from, from uh, copy for uh, blog posts or online articles. And then the world that I deal with is more of the, the, obviously the video and the still photography message and the graphic design and animations and things of that nature. Um, so in that regard, I mean, Go back and phrase your question. I lost track of where I was going. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I'm just gonna come out. Here. <laughs> I'm, no, what is content create? What does content creation mean in your world? I mean, you know, as you already talked about blog posts and, and stuff like that. How do you? So you know, what does it mean to you? For us, it's visual storytelling. Okay. Right. It's um. It, it's representing. It's 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 representing your brand, your story, your message, your product, in a way that resonates with the market you want to hit mm. so that could be all kinds of things that could be some people uh some some demographics are going to love just interviews with people mm. right other other ones other um demographics want the um you know i guess in my age i'm dating myself a little bit but more the mtv style flashy cuts and and kind of a little more craziness that goes on more high energy um, and so what what, we, what i really specialize in is creating that visual structure mm -hmm breaking down the elements of an image to, to be able to um, control and, and judge and measure what's being done and how it's being received. Hmm. And also being able to track changes in a measurable way. Hmm. So let's go on that, that same last part about changes. Now I preface this interview on, you know, if your branding is, you know, it stinks, I should have said reeks, of the 1990s, your, your friends, you know, I mean, friends, the show, um, this could have been the tail end of MC Hammer. Um, so what do you see as one of the number one mistakes that you see small and large companies make with regard to visual branding? Uh, not enough of it. Not enough of it. Well, so you have to, when you, when you think about, you have to think about the, the way the content's being released, okay? Um, so let's take social media. If you do one platform, right? We'll take Instagram for example. Um, you know, there's an algorithm there about who sees how many people's posts and percentages and whatnot. Uh, in order to affect that algorithm, you need to be releasing content three to four times a day, right? So that's that's about a hundred pieces of content a month, and it could be video, it could be stills, it could be graphic design, it, uh, it could be copy. Um, it can really be kind of anything that your work in progress. Um, but how many people are, are, are releasing 100 pieces of content a month on one platform? And then how many of us are on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter? Well, that's four right there. That's 400 pieces of content a month you need to be able to reach your audience. So I just don't see people making that content. Um, a lot of people come to me as, as a video producer and they're like, you make us a video. I'm like, well, sure, but that really doesn't solve your problem. That, that, that puts out, that's one piece of content. But what else can we do during the creation of that video to get you a month worth of content? How can we get you 400 pieces of content out of one project? So wow. That, 
yeah, that's pretty much the way that uh, what that breaks down to. People just are not doing enough of it. They're not utilizing. They're not telling their story. Um, they're not showing their work in progress. Right now, work for artists. Most people think of an artist. You think of a painter. You think, oh, this is that painter's work, and you see it's the full picture, right? The, for the final painting. Right. Um, but the the work at work is also a verb, right? <laughs> you have to do the work. Yep. You have to mix the colors, and you you drop the the palette on the floor, or you use three different brushes to make an eye, or something of that nature. There's all kinds of opportunities there to show the work that's being done to create the the work. And people want to see that. And the internet gives us an awesome place to do that. Social media, uh, blog posts, uh, email campaigns, websites. It gives us an awesome place to put all that together. People are just not making enough content. So if I'm understanding this right, if, if we're going to go with the same, you're an artist or a painter or something like that, and you go to a museum and you see, you know, a famous artist, whoever's your favorite or whatever, and you go there and you see the finished product, but if we're using the same analogy within content creation, you want to see the sketches. <laughs> you want to see pictures of the artist at work, the models, the behind the scene, the canvas, whatever they selected, the paint, different paint swatches, everything it took to create the final piece. And that's content versus one still piece that is going to be admired and appreciated. You know, you have a potential for hundreds of pieces of that puzzle because that's what people gravitate towards. Is that correct? Let's well, let's get to the bigger part here. What are we doing on on social media? Why are we posting on social media? Right? We are trying to build a relationship mm. with our customers, right? Uh, our customers want that relationship with us. They want to know who we are. They want to know why we do it. They want to see behind the curtain on how their product is made, mm. right? So you you don't build. A, what's your relationship with Picasso? I I personally don't have one. I've seen his work. I've got a couple of his books. Um, I don't know anything about the man, right? But if I had seen uh, content he'd been putting out daily as he's, he's experimenting with cubism or his blue period or um, whatever, then I'm going to have a better relationship, better idea of who he is, how he works, what he does, and I'm going to be more likely to purchase his product. Definitely. And, and you no longer – it doesn't sound like in the same token, you're no longer – you're no longer just a consumer. You're you're an active participant in the process, right. um, and and you become a, a true fan because you, you didn't just you know happen to walk by them in the museum or you saw their piece on television or a magazine. You saw them all the way through that, and you became a loyal fan. And and I think that 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 speaks volumes for you know marketers is that they become fans because they want to see what you are, what you're not looking. Right. <laughs> you don't just want to see the successes either. They want to see the failures. Mm. You know, they want to see if you have, if you're a painter and I'm just going to stick with painting, but this could go for, you know, anything. Then they want to see your failures. They want to see you burn that canvas. That was just so awful mm. or whatever it is that you failed at. They want to see that. They want to see the mistakes. They want to see the struggle. They want to see your journey to get to your final product. And I don't care if you make mattresses or widgets or you're an artist um, anything, even a, a lawyer, right? Lawyers type up their, they get their whole first draft made and they have a typo in there. You know, maybe instead of, uh, you know, instead of, you know, it, I don't know. I, the only word I come up with is, is trying to stay clean here. Um, but if they come up with a word, they, they put a bad word in, in a brief and it's just a misspelling or a typo or something. They don't catch it. Right. 
put that shit out there. Yeah. That's funny. Right? If you have a sense of humor, I'm more likely going to come to you. Yep. And, and I don't think you look like a stiff anymore. You look like a real person. It's like, well, they make mistakes. Yeah, they're my lawyer, but they make mistakes and they make fun of it. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be professional. It means they own it. You. They own it. They don't try to be perfect. They don't try to be, um, you know, something that they're not. They don't try to be mythical. <laughs> mythical. I like that. We do business with people that we know, like, and trust. Right. I get to know you through, through content, what you put out. I either like you or dislike you through your content, which is fine. Um, and then I trust you through your content as well. I trust your message. I trust your voice. I trust your process, mm. which creates a much stronger bond than, oh, I need a video for my homepage. <laughs> which, which is just, just scratching the surface. I have, I have a, a visitor who said, uh, Robert is the man, a true professional. I got a sneaky suspicion that that is Josh. Let's see if I can see who's over there. Uh, yep, that's Josh. Nice. <laughs> So, hey, Josh. Oh, by the way, if you have any questions for Robert Michael, by all means, I mean, this kind of uh, this amount of chat time would probably cost you uh, thousands of dollars, you know, if you were doing, a, you know, this kind of consultation in New York. So if you have a question about some of your smaller projects, which if you don't have a budget of ten thousand to one hundred thousand dollars a month, you know, this may be a good time for you to ask some of those very specific questions about your particular marketing and how to create content and how to supersize it so that it can be broadcast upon all your channels and actually reproduce. And one of the things that you said, which really caught my attention the other day when we, I was preparing for this, is that, Nikkei, you do these interviews. Have you ever thought about just breaking them up into 30-second sound bites? And I was like, no, I just do the production. So talk me through something like an interview like we're doing like here and somebody else may want to do a video just like this with somebody that they know, like, and trust. How do you like chop it up, if you will? Well, I mean, so, so think about, if you think about what, what video or film actually is, right? It's 24 images per second, right? So if we're on here for a, uh, a minute, right? We get a whole bunch of images, still images. Well, you can take those images and repurpose them. They can end up on Instagram. They can end up wherever. You could put a quote of what you were saying. You could also take a quick, uh, a quick snippet of it. I think what Instagram's two minutes now. Yeah. Is it two minutes? Um, yeah, I think they, they they'll go longer if you're into one of those other streaming video ones. But generally, you know. And based on your your interaction, your right that kind of thing. Um, so why not take a piece of this video and put it up there? So if we take a quote out of this, out of thirty minutes, maybe we'll come up with ten quotes. That are fantastic. They're thirty-second quotes. Why wouldn't we see this on Instagram? Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we share those with the world in smaller pieces? And then you're going to find out what pieces actually resonated with people. So you're going to now you're starting to get data about the content you're putting out, about the message you're putting out, mm. about what people are interested in and what they're not interested in. And then you can kind of zig and zag from there. Mm. So the, you can easily break this up into a lot of different things. So how do you track that data? Because you just said something about gas. I mean, obviously, if you go through social media, you can probably track that. Now that, why would you need that data? Let's go there first. Well, that, that's your audience telling you what they like and what they don't like, what, what resonates with them, what doesn't resonate with them. Um, and, that, and that could be a product line. If, um, if I talk about uh, you know, a social media content creation plan and I put that up on, on Instagram and I get one like on it, but I talk about the website video and I get a thousand likes on it. Well, obviously people resonated with one of those more than the other. Mm. 
Um, and so that, so that can affect the way you talk to people. It could affect the, the plans that you put out. I mean, it's instant feedback. You know, the, the, in, the, in the past, it used to be TV commercials and trying to get ratings off of, you know, how many people watch, were watching this TV commercial years ago. And, and that's kind of a bygone era. We don't have to wait that long. You don't have to spend that kind of money to do it. True. So now that we got data, we got macro messaging, we've learned a little bit more about content. How do we now start the process of creating this, all this content and using it and, and applying it and finding out what your social channels are, if that's what you're going to go with, or it's going to be fed through an email campaign or, or anything like that. Talk us now, what's the next step? You've got a video. Let's just say you got a video content or you hired somebody like yourself or somebody, your team, or you don't, you've never done that. You're just kind of sitting here just like a lot of folks trying to figure out what's my next step. What is the next step? <laughs> I think the next step is to, to kind of journal your, your daily life. Forget about the video that you have or don't have. That can come into play, but you need to journal your daily life. What did you do that day? What did you work on? Um, what, what did you create? And you need to start showing that. You need to share it. You know, pick, start off with one piece a day, ramp up. Add two, add three, add four, as you build it into your system. And then when you have the opportunity to, to do longer longer form content, that just filters into what you've already been putting out there hmm. by breaking it down, like I said. So, um, you know, when we, when we do shoots for, for clients and, and whatnot, we, we're always finding different ways to, to utilize the time and the resources and knowledge and experience that we have to maximize it. Hmm. Uh, to maximize the kind of content. So, so we, we think, we want to think globally. We want to think, okay, this is the message that you're showing. And, and this is the audience you're trying to reach. And this is how this piece of content is going to work. Right? But, but what else can we do within that time frame that's also going to tell that message in a different form? Hmm. So maybe it's uh, bringing in a, a still photographer for us that, that focuses on um, – the behind the scenes stuff. So all of us in action, looking at monitors and laughing and, you know, get some, uh, I have a, a new client and they, uh, <clears throat> they're, they're in the, the, um, the police training field and they're, they're these big guys, contractors and SWAT guys and everything. But a picture of them getting their makeup done would be the funniest thing ever. It would really show their personality, <laughs> right? It would kind of, it kind of breaks that mold of all oh, these are these hard ass, you know, rough and tough guys. And, they're really not. They're the, they're the nicest guys I know. Um, and so to see them get makeup done would be hysterical, right? So little elements like that show the product being made. And then there's the, then uh, you can also shoot content while we're shooting video. Stills could get shot while we're shooting video, which will give you now. You can take a, a frame grab from the video, but you can also take a, take the still photo. You have two different angles of the same thing happening, mm. right? And and so maybe one is one the still photo might be great for. Um, I mean, that could be anything. That could be posters on your wall. That could be billboards. That could be, um, you know, social content. It could have, uh, you can put copy over it, uh, drop your logo on there. It could be any kind of branding, brochures, that kind of thing. So that's, that's so useful. Um, but it all, but then what that does is by creating all that content at the same time, everything goes together now. Mm. Everything matches the, the tonality of it, the visual structure, like I said, like we created for this piece, um, resonates through your entire marketing platform. Right, and since we know what the what that visual structure is through our system, we um, we can control it. And if if something's not resonating with people, uh, we can figure out why, and we can address that going forward. You know, in the far in the coming months and weeks and years and whatever, 
and, and change that to kind of hone in on what people want to see. Hmm. So let's let's go in a weird direction just for a technical because this is part of our our, our, our platform is, you know, we, we do tactical, we do um, technical um, as well. So if I am and let's use a painter, for example, this room is painted by a professional. I'm sure it has a red behind me behind this 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 uh, army flag. Um, how would I, if if I have, you know, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. I, 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 all I do is I'm a professional painter. That's my deal. Or I'm a massage therapist. Or I'm an acupuncturist. Or, you know, I'm a cinematographer for that example. I mean, it sounds strange, but even people in cinematography need other people to help them to tell even their story. Sorry. But that cinematographer might be a little too, too, too broad and too, you know, but let's just say, you know, how, what are some of the things, like if we're looking for imagery before we even go and hire somebody like yourself, what are some of the tools that a person can use right now besides blogging and besides, you know, journaling about what it is that they do? Can you give us some, some tips um, just to kind of get us started with some imagery that you can use with some easily readily available things that are in, you know, the average person's hand or pocket or in their business that they can use to tell the beginning parts of their story. Well, I mean, everybody's got a full on production suite right here, right? I mean, cameras day, this is an old phone because that's the way I, I roll. But um, just call, just go with it, man. It's old school, man. But <laughs> The new, I just edited a video together for a, a client, a huge uh, national client, that they um, they sent an interview shot around the country that were shot with an iPhone 11. Wow. And I edited that in with content that I shot as well as motion graphics and animations and everything else for this big presentation they did today. Wow. So, so some, something that – Something that you can, you know, go in and, you know, partially pay for if you get, a, you know, addicted to, you know, a plan or something like that. You don't have to all you pay for it, but never mind that. You can take something, you know, that costs a couple hundred dollars or a couple of dollars a month for you to pay and turn that into, you know, the the entry point into visualization and creating content. Is that a safe answer? Well, yeah. If you're just documenting what you're doing, right, think about documentaries. If, if you if you watch any documentaries at all, you're going to see that that they're not lit beautifully. They're not. I mean, they're not pretty, right? They're telling a story, and they they're usually the lowest the lowest I don't say form the lowest um, financed type of project, and they're passion projects that people do over years. Sometimes sometimes with with varying camera formats and and whatnot, and then they just cut this together, and it tells a story. So the quality of the equipment is not important. The quality of the story is important. Hmm. You're making your story every day that you go to work. Every day that you do what you love to do, you do your passion, um, you run your business or whatever it is that, you know, that you're trying to, to um, increase the, the, the viewership of, you, have, you, you can use anything. Uh, you could sketch it out. You could, you could do a drawing. You could take crayons and do a drawing of this is what my desk looked like today. And put it up there, and that would be fine. Perfect. It's it just that's your personality. Use a crayon. Go for it. And I, I think you've made it safe because you know when we see some of the full-on production that you've been associated with, which have like crazy amounts of budget for the average small business owner, or you know if you're not an institution that has like you know right a gazillion amount of money, and they say, okay, make us look awesome, 
here's our budget, which is like way over the top for, for the average small companies. It seemed like it's now safe for the average person who has some kind of creativity and, and a story, which I think everybody has, and then bringing that story to life, you know, in the, that's going to resonate with the audience. Yeah, I think that's where we are today. The, the internet has done that to, to us. The, the tools are readily available. Everybody's got them with them all the time. Mm. Um, you know, I, I obviously interact with a lot of uh, actors, actresses, and I got to tell you, these people are the real professionals when it comes to generating a lot of interesting content. They always have have their phones pointed at them, and they're jumping on their hotel bed in slow motion or anything. Really? They do crazy stuff. Every time they go to a new hotel, they have this ritual that they do, and they have like the same 10 shots that they get as soon as they walk in the door. And that's 10 pieces of content that they created, and it's just a habit for them. They've, they've made it part of their life is is creating this content to build their audience because that's that's how they make their money. Wow. Tom so, Cruise, Tom Cruise if, if 200 million people don't know who he is. So that, that's what it comes down to is, is building your audience. So these people who are professional actors and actresses who are, you know, who went to school, went to theater school, who've been acting all their lives, you know, this is what they do. You know, they this this is what big Hollywood productions or they're more in the commercial space, you know, selling things at Home Depot. You know, there are voices that you hear at Home Depot that you're like, I know that guy or, or back when I was, you know, in high school, Motel 6, Tom Bodette, you know. I mean, we'll keep the lights on. I never even know what Tombo that looks like, by the way. I just remember that voice. Or, or uh, what's the what's the one from uh, uh, the insurance? The, I can't remember his name, but he was on How Stella Got Those Grooves. But anyway, um, but it sounds like how they they find the real, true life, you know, kind of stick in the mud kind of fans, and and is that they take real shots, like go into a hotel and just like, hey, boom, 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 and and they are the um, um, and I'm going to segue away from just because of what you just said is I saw a documentary last night about um, Mr. Spock, which is about Leonard Nimoy. And yes, I am a true Star Trek fan. Don't challenge me. Um, <laughs> but I remember how much in watching the documentary and learning, and I knew a lot about Leonard Nimoy and his whole story and, and being Jewish and, and how he implemented his own culture and his faith into the Star Trek pantheon that folks didn't even become aware of how it is but i think people became true fans when he started to go into those conventions and really letting people know who he really was outside of being on you know you know the tv or the movies or something like that so well, that's their stock is getting people to, to like them getting a following that's how that's how uh, movies are made wow movies are made people the money, the money is given to, to movies based on who the, the, the actors are. Wow. You know, you know, so that, that's why people are, are – Tom Cruise makes what he makes. Matt Damon makes what he makes because people want to see them in a film. People will pay. It's a built-in audience, so it's a safe investment. Right. And they've already, and they, like you said, they've done the work and, and built an audience. So now that uh, you who are the uh, marketer, you who are working on your branding – it seems like you are the brand or you're, you are the representation, you're the authority in your particular business. Um, how do, what's the, what's the first thing? And I want to, I want to go, you know, kind of getting closer to the end. What is, when you come in contact with a uh, potential 
customer, client, or whatever. And let's just say it's a small local. We're not talking about a New York production house. We're talking about something in the hills of North Carolina where you now reside. What is the first conversation you have? You sit down, you met him at a coffee shop or somewhere. Somebody say, you need to talk to Robert. What is the first thing that you do when you first sit down with them? I ask them what they're creating, what they've been creating in, in the past. What, what, give me your give me your handle and send me your handles. Text them to me. Um, follow me on social, whatever. And I'll spend five minutes and I'll tell you what I see that's missing or that's that's not not creating engagement. You know what? That is that I'm glad you said it. And that, that's a shocking answer because whenever I talk to people in the advertising space or anything, and one of the first questions I said, What do you do when you first sit down with somebody? They often say, What's your budget? That's the first, and I'm like, you know, it's like, <laughs> the budget's important. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, oh, yeah, hey, but that seems but, irrelevant sometimes if you don't have something to go with. But take a story, right? And and if you search this on YouTube, there there was a, a guy that that remade Star Wars for free. Really? He he remade Star Wars for free. Now now it was cardboard props that were obviously cardboard. Just used the junk he had laying around, Amazon boxes that we all have or whatnot. And um, the funny part is, is that it, it's really entertaining, right? You spend a lot of money on it. So, so budgets now are more flexible than they used to be. Wow. Because because people understand that that I mean, the social media has gotten to the point where content has to be entertaining and engaging. It does not have to be technically perfect. Right. There are times and there are brands that, that technically perfect is the way to go. If you look at brands like Nike, Coca-Cola, uh, yeah, you, know, you don't see them doing selfies with their phones. No, right? no. Um, so, so, you know, budget obviously is, is a factor, but stories can be told a lot of different ways. Mm. So, so I don't see that that's really the, the, the place to start the conversation. Um, I think that's the, that's the place where, where, you know, actually when it comes to execution, then yeah, this is what it's going to be. But you can you can do something for a couple thousand dollars. You can do something for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, you know, it's really going to be quantity and and um, I guess polish at that point. And and it sounds like even if you do something for a couple thousand dollars, you know, in the creative, like say you're looking at a at a at a video that you know is a two minute long video or a minute and a half video. That video could be multi-purpose and multi-used on so many platforms. So don't think of it as, hey, I just spent two thousand, five thousand, or you know, whatever. Right. Think of yeah, you spend it for one video, but we're gonna use this sucker a hundred times in right. different places. It gets stretched a whole lot more. Yeah. Because even if we can't afford to hire a still photographer to come behind the scenes and shoot, right? Then why can't you pull out your phone and shoot it yourself? True. Why why can't you be creating that content in the background while we're creating this other polished content for you? True. Right. And if we, if we kind of prep and plan and, and make, make use of all the, of all of the time that we have and all the budget that we have, mm. we can maximize things. And that, that's kind of where the, the having a varied background on my part has really been, been huge. Right. Cause I understand story from my work in narrative. Um, I understand selling product from my commercial work and I understand how to implement photography and video together. A lot of video production companies don't know how to do that. Mm. They're stuck in video. A lot of still photographers don't know how to do it because they're stuck in, in still photography, right? Because they're different platforms. So 
um, if you think about it, still photo is you can sit there and you can, you can look at it all day long, pick it apart if you want to, right? Um, so when you take that skill set and put it into video, your, your video looks instantly better, right? Because you've taken this precision of, of image creation and you put it into a moving picture. So your video looks great. But if you have video background as well, you understand sequential storytelling. So what, what's being interpreted, the way that a frame is, or a sequence is being interpreted is based on what comes before it and after it. So now you take that to still photography and you, you all of a sudden you create all the still photos that tell a story. Now, if you're taking that story and putting it on your social media and outletting on your social media, now you've got this story that's being told in different ways, but it all comes back to the same theme, the same idea, the same visual structure. Hmm. Wow. Well, you've given us way more time than we had allocated. I appreciate it. You even like say, hey, I got to go. I got to go check on my my kid. Um, I got to go do this or something like that. And it, we went way longer than we were, um, you know, we were allocating. I appreciate you not cutting me off because I, I just kept going. I know what you, you got to go and, you know, and I got to go. But how do um, people in get started with the conversation talking with you? How do they find you, track you down and get on your schedule? Because it sounds like, you know, you might fly somewhere into South Carolina just as easy as you'll fly to New York to Los Angeles to do a commercial or be part of a full feature film, or, you know, you're creating content for another customer or client, you know, to be on strictly social media. How do people get on your calendar or at least have a introductory to kind of give you their story to see if it's appealing enough for you that you can help them to, to, to bring that story to, to the, to their customer? Well, uh, best way is through my website. I have a contact form, robertmichaelonline.com. Um, you fill it out. If you're doing cool stuff, uh, you think I'm doing cool stuff or you want to do cool stuff together, send me a note and we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll fit it in. I mean, you know, phone calls to get the conversation started. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about your, your, your brand. We'll talk about your story. We'll talk about what your, your goals are. Um, I'll explain to you how I work and how I do it. And we'll see if, if the two mesh up. And that makes it, that that's how it's great. Marriage has been formed over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, better than an arranged marriage. How's that? Yeah, okay, an arranged marriage. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Robert, for being here and uh, for being here today to share your your twenty plus years in cinematography and content creation in the various genre from printed to you know still photography to video photography to you know anything and everything. I really appreciate it because it's it sometimes we just need it broken down into the technical, you know, nitty gritty to see it's not as complex as you need it to. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Alrighty. Well, thank you, uh, honored guest, also for being here on our production. I am Nikkei Roach. I am trained as a massage therapist. Sometimes I know a little too about marketing. If you have an idea or have a question or have a content that you like to discuss or you have some questions about, by all means, submit it on this platform and we'll be happy to get back with you. We'll find the guest, we'll find the experts. We, we look for experts and when we say experts, you got paid a lot of money to become good at what you do and now you're out there sharing it with the greater public. So if you have a question, leave a, leave a comment. We'll get back with you as soon as humanly possible. And if you wanna be a guest on the show too, just give us a call, give us a ring. Reach out to us. You can reach me at NikkeiRoach.com. 
Um, and I have a few other things out there to, to be able to share with you. Otherwise, be safe, make a lot of money, do honorable things. Don't cheat, you know, don't cheat on your taxes, you know, have fun, <laughs> enjoy your life <laughs> and make the world a better place before you decide that you want to bounce. So thanks for being here. I'll see you next time. Thanks, Robert, for being here. And I'll see you somewhere on some content creation project in the future. Sounds good. Take care, DK. All right, you too. Want more ideas to expand your business without destroying your hands? Go to NikkeiRoach.com. Inside this site, you'll find my top secrets that has helped me give more, work part-time, and make three times the money and liberate my family time.